It is September 24th, 2020. This is episode 33 of Back to Normal, so let's get started. Okay, this is an episode that I have had in my notes for probably almost a month now. Um, It's one of the first things that I wrote down in my topics list when um, I actually got started and kind of started to get into a flow of things. And it's an episode that I really didn't want to do. Every day I would come to Civil War in the US as the title of the topic list and I would just go, nope, I'm not doing that today. I will write something else. I will come up with a different idea. Um, But today I am going to talk about this and this is going to be a messy one. So I hope you'll bear with me and I do not want it to go longer than 15 minutes, but I feel like um, this needs to be talked about and I need to I need to talk about it for my own personal sanity just to kind of work things out in my own head. So this is going to be a messy one. I will not uh, fault you if you say, decide that you just don't want to listen to this one, um, but I need to I need to say some things. So. Uh, I want to just start off right off the bat. It seems like apparently the U.S. is very close to a civil war. Um, I was talking, I've talked on Twitter um, quite a bit over the last few years about how um, I personally haven't really seen, um, I haven't really seen any Western democracy fall in my lifetime, like far from it, I think even. And honestly, it feels like this might be happening. And I know that it took a while for um, for something like a an ethnic concentration camp to happen in Nazi Germany. But um, it seems like everything about our modern age, like not just the year 2020, but like the 2000s, the, the, this century, it seems like everything is kind of escalated in terms of speed and the ability to have things just move really quickly. and. Um, We've already seen this administration's propensity for putting even kids in literal like chain link cages um, just because they have tried to come to the United States to feel safe. And um, I just like I said, this is going to be a really tough episode. I'm just trying to get my thoughts out and kind of think about things. Um, Basically, what I'm feeling now is that there is no good result for the election that's happening in the US this November. And no matter what happens, just a bunch of people like over a hundred million people are going to be really angry. And I think we've seen already what four years of an enabled Donald Trump and his administration can do to um normalcy, can do to um, you know, just kind of common sense procedures and traits of government. And I think getting validation and getting re-enabled in that for another four years would just completely descend the United States into chaos. And I think we would start seeing people um, rightfully fleeing the country, um, actually trying to claim asylum or even refugee status. Um, And I think that that's like the fact that that would be needed at all is extremely tragic. And it actually really makes me worry that being in a country that has quite different values to that of this administration, um, being on a, in a country that borders that country can also be um, a real risk. And 
I don't know what to really do about that because like what happens when your biggest trading partner and your regional neighbor um, take such a hard line stance in the opposite political direction as you and they have the biggest military in the world by a by a massive margin and they have shown no real interest in um, acknowledging the importance of diversity and in fact have gone quite the opposite and shown that they are very much in favor of white supremacy and white nationalism. Um, what is a country like that with this massive military and white supremacist ideology like bubbling away in the background? What does a country like that do to a country that prides itself on diversity? Not saying we don't have our, our ugly spots in Canada and we obviously have um, a lot of work still to do in our relationship with Indigenous people in Canada um, and, and any racial minorities that are not just white people. Um, I'm not saying that we're perfect in that sense, but I think that there is a general sentiment among, among people who are influential in Canada, especially socially influential. Um, I think there's general agreement that we don't want to go that route. And um, the US position itself that way is actually forcing us to um, push back even harder and say that we are uh, we feel the opposite in Canada. Um, obviously, I think there are also people in Canada that see what's happening in the US and go, oh, wow, that's great. We should be like that in Canada too, which I think is horrifying. Um, but I do think it's there and I, you see it under the surface. If you go and read YouTube comments, just like, or not YouTube comments, but I, but they're probably there too. Um, but if you go and read Twitter comments, like I do, um, you can see the exact same things that are being said in the United States, um, on different sides of the political divide. You can see the same things in Canada. It's not like we're immune from it. And there are all kinds of different factors that play into why these kinds of tensions can build up over time. And, um, the internet, um, it plays a big part in that. I had an episode where I talked about the, the the documentary The Social Network a few days ago. And honestly, I think the pandemic is playing a huge part in making these tensions even worse. Because um, when we were all allowed to go out in public in medium or large groups and see each other and all that, um, it meant that sometimes you had to run into people at the grocery store that might have different views than you. you They might be a family friend, they, you might have no idea who they are. But if you see somebody out there wearing a MAGA hat and um, you know, with an American, or more likely a Confederate flag on their truck, um, it's, you, you kind of had to operate in, with some kind of public decency. And I think that now, as people are seeing each other in person less and less, uh, especially people they disagree with. If you're having to limit your social bubble to only a select few people, I think you're much less likely to pick somebody or people um, who disagree with you politically. And so uh, factions are basically being forced to double down because um, we're not we're not supposed to gather in large groups. And so people are picking groups that are like minded even more than they did before. And so you end up with the movement like a black, the black lives matter movement and and protests that are going on across the united states and in hundreds of cities and then you get literally basically white nationalists white supremacist groups um, and people coming to counter these protests and these these groups are all organizing online there there's not really any in-person meeting because you can't right now 
and they're just clashing in person having never talked like there there's no there's a reason like as stupid as i think dueling is um and how i'm so glad that it's gone from from culture now um at least with a duel you would have a second person try to reconcile your, your differences and there was a there was an ability to disengage to um release the tension that was built up that caused people to want to fight in the first place and there that that mechanism doesn't exist anymore there's no peaceful protest that can diffuse and de-escalate um because everybody has organized in their own separate little bubbles and they just come together and fight and it's it's giving every group every political group every um media group the exact ammunition they need to be able to say the other group is bad and here's why and only have members of that same group of thought listen and it's just further leading to polarization um it's pulling like because there's because it's a two-party system in the united states the democrats and republicans are being pulled apart constantly but not only that they are only using the opposite of their opponent's views to promote their own ideas and so like joe biden is able to run an entire campaign basically saying let's go back to the way it was in uh up to 2016 and not necessarily even having to run on any kind of um any kind of ideas it's not saying he doesn't have a platform because um from all evidence he does but um not only is does his platform not really matter in such an extreme situation that's not what people are thinking about this is not a decision based on which platform is better this is a decision based on um it's a decision based on what you already think like you're basically it basically you're not you're not providing any new information with your vote you're just registering that yes i am angry about what the other person is doing rather than what my person is doing and yeah. so really what it comes down to in this election whether it happens um fairly or not whether there's um whether the manipulation that has already begun is allowed to continue and get worse um Basically, what it's going to come down to in this election is the number of people who are who are disenfranchised to vote, the number of people who are told that they are not allowed to vote, and the number of people that actually decide that it's worth leaving their house in the middle of a pandemic to go and vote. And um, I think there's an interesting dichotomy in that um, because messaging from Democrat leaders has basically been stay home, take this pandemic seriously, vote by mail if you can. Um, because it's way safer than trying to go to a, a crowded polling place and trying to get your vote registered on, on election day. Um, whereas Republicans are saying the, the coronavirus is a hoax. Let's go and get in, go to massive rallies of thousands of people and barely distance at all. And um, th there's this weird thing where I think on average, probably Republican voters are more likely to get sick and be converted to it, like having their eyes opened to the fact that this pandemic is a real thing, especially even if they're not, they don't get infected, but if they go home from this rally and infect family members, they can start to see, um, Hey, maybe this isn't actually like, it can kind of snap them out of what is effectively a cult. Like, I'm not trying to say that, um, it's literally a cult, but effectively it's like this, it, it people have taken to Donald Trump's personality cult um more than they've been taken by his ideas because his ideas aren't 
real. There's nothing there. There's no substance whatsoever. There is a very focused um, trying to appeal to the people that will give him money and trying to appeal to um, people that are already fans of his. And, and like he has said before, there's basically nothing he can do to make people who will vote for him continue or stop voting for him. There's nothing he can do to get people who are on his side to turn against him. He could do anything he wants at this point. And he's proven that. And uh, like over and over again, he's proven that. And the weird thing is um, a lot of Republican leadership other outside of him um, have been saying all along, like, yes, there is a line. We're not going to let him cross it. Um, there are boundaries that we have set. There are norms in this in this country um, politically and with respect to all kinds of other things. And he has just said, nope, my personality will trump all of you. And um, you, <laughs> I'm going to write a new rule book. I'm going to write new norms and whatever I say goes. And as much as they've said, no, we're not going to let you do that. He has done that. It That is what it is now. And the party is going to have to face, because um, eventually he's, he's going to be gone. And um, if they don't have something to answer to, um, it, all those voters, they're, they're, they're going to find some other populist, some other, um, person that wants to be authoritarian, wants to be a dictator. And, um, the, the GOP is going to lose those voters. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that this is definitely what's going to happen. This is just how I see things. Um, Donald Trump yesterday said that, um, he refused to say that he would accept the results of the election, which is just, he did the same thing four years ago. And even when the election results came in um, and he got fewer votes than Hillary Clinton overall, which doesn't matter because that's not how the system works, um, he still contested those results and said, yeah, tech, like based on the votes that, you're, that you counted, um, I got fewer, but that's because a bunch of those votes shouldn't have counted. And he's already preparing to do the same thing this time, whether he wins or loses. And it just depends because technically... His party, the Republican Party, will still have all the mechanisms of government behind them after the election. And it's going to be up to them to to tell him this time, no, stop saying that you won, you didn't win. And that is assuming, of course, that he doesn't win, which I just I don't even want to start wrapping my head around the possibility that um, somebody like that could get a second term. It's it, it just seems like it's a bridge too far. But um, in the end here. What what I wanted to the point that I wanted to get across in all of this is that it really seems like no matter what happens, no matter who wins, whether it's very close and whether it takes a days or weeks to count mail in ballots and, and ballots coming in um, because we can't gather in large groups to do it. Um, there's basically no good outcome. And it seems like any outcome. Obviously, if Donald Trump wins again, there's going to be hundreds of millions of uh, angry people. Um, saying, how could this possibly have happened? We've after the last four years we've been through. How can this? How can this be? Um, if Donald, if, yeah, that's if Donald Trump wins. If Joe Biden wins, there are people right now being not only um, polarized far far to the left by Donald Trump's cult of personality, but, but he's basically calling to, calling them to arms, saying, if I lose, um, first of all, he's saying, if I lose, you're never going to hear from me again because he's going to just disappear into hiding. Um, presumably because he's going to be convicted of crimes, but, um, also he doesn't want, he, as in his mind, he has never lost in public before he's, he's been winning this whole time and like his entire life. 
And so losing publicly like that, I think he will just retreat into a hole. And his uh, his voters, his supporters are not going to take that lying down. They are not going to disappear. They're not just going to drop back into their holes. They are angry. And if if their leader gets taken away from them, they are not going to get less angry. They are going to get more angry. And um, whether he's there or not, I think they will take up that call to arms. And it will either be the rioting will either continue because um, that there's no reason for it to stop right from what's happening right now based on police brutality and racism and systemic racism. And if the election result flips and we get a new president, the other people are going to be doing protests of their own and they're going to be rioting on their own. And um, I think those groups of people, I'm sure there are some that are go- that are planning to protest nonviolently, but I think there are also a lot more people um, on the Republican side that are planning to protest violently if something like that happens. And if it's a close election, who knows? Like all bets are off. Um, any group would have the complete right um, to have to contest the legitimacy of the election if it's very close. And there's no real good way to sort this out. And like basically what this boils down to, I'm going to leave it here for now. Basically, what this boils down to is that the United States is so deeply divided that it might fail to stay together after this. And the weird thing is there's there's only one physical country, but there are two subgroups that live in that country spread throughout it. And uh, I honestly think like an internal civil war where there are not really strict battle lines might be what happens. Um, it's just that just seems like a natural consequence of what's happening. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying to be in the country next to that, um, watching it happen. I'm going to leave it there for now. There is a good chance that I will come back to this topic in a future episode when I have some more to say. But um, in, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Thank you and bye.